the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brockler back with you here, 710-KNUS. Uh, we've got a bunch of things going on on the ballot on 2024. We talked with Kent Theory yesterday about some of these ballot issues that will fundamentally change the way we choose who represents us. We've got candidates. We we're talking about that CD4 forum slash debate that's going on up in uh, Fort Lupton tomorrow, being hosted by the Women of Weld. Uh, we've got a presidential race. Some of the races, though, that are a little more obscure only because they just don't draw the same attention and the same dollars are equally important. We just don't really talk about them the same way to do that with us right now as a newly minted candidate for one of those seats. Her name is Christy Burton Brown. Thanks for joining us. KBB. Of course, George. Hi. Hey, um, you, for folks that, that don't know, of course, you were the chair of the, of the state GOP party. You left, you have been the, I don't know what, what the right title is, the Commodore of Advanced Colorado or something <laughs> like that, working on education issues, but you've decided to jump back into the political fray here. Is this your first political race, by the way? So it actually is, other than inter-party races like yeah. um, like chairman, vice chairman, those kind of things. I have never run for public office, so you can't call me a career politician. That is a no, fact. Well, at this point, you are a politician once you jump in like this. Well, well, tell us what you're <laughs> doing and, and why you're doing it. Yeah, I decided to run for the State Board of Education in CD4. So same exact district. Um, it's the second largest congressional district in the state, lots of rural Colorado, but also Dugco. And then I think Loveland up in northern Colorado is the largest city in the district. Um, so pretty wide area of Colorado, but State Board of Education obviously focuses on education. And I'm really excited about that because I think school choice deeply matters in Colorado. Uh, the left is starting to attack it, wants to get rid of charter schools. We need really strong charter school advocate and school choice advocates on the State Board of Education. And then also people who want to hold the State Department of Education accountable for real academic standards and people who want to empower parents' voices. And those are the three things I'm really passionate about. Um, when you jump into this race, can you describe for us how that State Board of Education is set up? And I don't, are there at-large seats? Are they all based on congressional districts? How do we do that? Yeah, so there, it's mostly based on congressional districts, but there is one at-large seat as well. They try to keep like an odd number of people on the board um, for vote, voting purposes. So there's one from every congressional district, eight of them in Colorado, and then one at-large. So right now, it's a six to three majority for Democrats. Um, on the board. And the incumbent in CD4, she's a great Republican, Deb Scheffel, has told me she's not Love running Deb. again. So this is an open seat. And that's why how, um, I can jump in. How long is, are the terms and how many terms can you run for? Uh, so six-year terms and you can run for two of them. So it's actually one of the longest wow. uh, terms in, in any office in Colorado. I'm actually not even aware of any other office that's more than four years. So if you were to be successful here and get reelected and serve out the full term, you would leave office somewhere in your 30s. <laughs> if only, if only. Um, 40s is more like it, but I'd be, I'd be getting up there. 
not quite um, as not quite catching you i don't think at that point but maybe <laughs> fine. that's good Oh, I about nodded off just off the reference to the age. Um, <laughs> is anybody else on the Republican side? Have you heard jumping into the race? Have you heard rumors about it? maybe someone's already in there? Uh, so no one as of now. And I think, you know, you never know what other people's plans are and what they might do. But as of now, I'm the only Republican candidate in the race. Uh, it, if if it's CD4, if it's the composition of CD4, we know it's an R plus 27 district. So you win the nomination, you win the seat. Did the Dems have someone that they have already announced as running for that seat? You know, to be honest with you, I have not even looked if the Dems are running anyone because to your point in CD4, the real race is the Republican primary if there is one. And I think one of the things on the State Board of Education, it's a volunteer position. So it's not necessarily a super popular seat that everyone wants to go run for. Um, certainly if anyone else does, like, that's great for them. Um, I'm happy to run whether there's a primary or not a primary. I just, I'm really passionate about getting on the board, being a voice for parents, and then also fighting hard for school choice. I just think that's something that we're on the edge of losing in Colorado if we don't actively fight for it. We're talking with Christy Burton Brown, former party chair, now candidate for the fourth congressional district uh, seat on the state board of education. What are the superpowers that the state board has that can actually be used to uh, enhance what we already have for school choice options? Yeah, you know, superpowers is a, is a great word. I, I think a lot of politicians wish they had superpowers they don't actually have. Um, but I think one of the most important things the state board has a say over is uh, charter schools that districts uh, refuse to approve. They can appeal to the state board of education. And we've seen the State Board of Education deny some of those appeals specifically, actually, for good classical charter schools because some of the members on that board are opposed to anything they think um, even touches, like religion or conservative views that they're not a fan of. Um, so I think, you know, that's a big problem on the board is they like to deny charter schools that they don't personally like. Obviously, it's not what should happen. You should be listening to the parents in the district who are asking for schools like this and wanting them um so I, i'm not under the illusion that when we're in the minority on the board we can just you know just because i'm on the board we're going to go approve them all that's not what i'm saying but i think we need really strong active voices on that board exposing what the liberal majority is doing to parents across the state who are asking for more school choice options where do you see that line then in the the public funding of schools, school choice and the religion piece? I mean, I imagine this would be if there was a Democrat and if they were viable enough to warrant some sort of a debate, mm -hmm. this would be an issue that would come up. Where is that line for you? And you're an attorney, by the way. Sure. People may not remember that you made the same mistake I did, and that was to go to law school and now you're <laughs> stuck with it. I know. I know. You can never, never shake it off once you, once you get in that line. That's it. That's um, it. <laughs> Let's see, George. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think basically the problem that's going on with the board is they're accusing charter schools of being religious that are not in fact religious. And so it was a uh, Hillsdale has a network of charter schools. There was one that they attempted to start in Durango that the liberal members of the board were like, well, because it's associated with Hillsdale and Hillsdale's known for having religious activities, the charter school must be religious. And there's a lot of testimony by good attorneys and other experts saying, no, this is a charter school. And because it is being funded by public dollars, it's not, in fact, religious. Um, and the board just didn't believe it. So that's actually the problem is they're accusing 
uh, schools and people who want to start them of trying to push religion on kids, kids with public funding when that's not even what they're doing and they won't believe the evidence. So that's a pretty, pretty big problem. Uh, what else do you see going on out there? Does, this, does the school board have the ability to impact funding at all? Any other policies outside of the school choice thing? I mean, we love the fact that we have local control of education, curriculum. What else can the school board do? Yes, they do. They do have influence over some some funding abilities and some um, academic standards as well. Like there was a review of like social studies um, standards that they did. And I know the conservatives on the board right now were actually able to get that in a better spot than it otherwise would have been. So, yes, um, making sure that you help set good academic standards at the state level. Of course, Colorado is a local control state. So school districts still have a lot of say over that. And yet you have this overarching board of education that can speak into those standards and have influence on the academic standards. And of course, in my view, when we have 40% of kids in Colorado, that's all that can read and do math at grade level. Giant problem because we have a lot of people on the left focusing on a woke agenda instead of the basics, reading, writing, and math. And so a return to real academic standards, I think, is a push that the board can influence, although they don't have the only say or the final say over it. Um, can certainly influence that. And then right now, I know the Board of Education is considering taking away funding, actually, for some programs that homeschool families participate in that are allowed to be publicly funded in Colorado. But the board right now is considering getting rid of it. I know Susan Varela um, and I'm sure Deb Shuffle and um, Steve as well are all involved at trying to stop that. But that's another thing. You have to expose what they're doing, that they're trying to choose between types of education and saying, you choose an alternate education for your kid, you no, no longer deserve the funding the state grants you and allows you to apply for. Um, that, and that's why I say a lot of elements of school choice are under attack right now. We're talking with Christy Burton Brown, former state party chair, current candidate, brand new candidate for the state board of education. And a 6 3 split sucks. Uh, I mean, is there any hope in any of these <laughs> other districts that we can close the gap? I, we're obviously going to hang on to the spot you're running for, but is there any other place we might pick something up, or, or are they always going to be handcuffed to the congressional races? Uh, that's a great question. I think, you know, we have we always have a shot in CD8, or I shouldn't say always, but at least right now we do. It's a new congressional district. We did see last year um, when Barb Kirkmeyer just barely lost that congressional seat it was because there was a third person running in that race, a libertarian who took some of the Republican votes. And the reason I say we know that is because in the CU Regent seat, the Republican actually won when it was, it was the only race that was a head-to-head between a Republican and a Democrat. Board of Education seat also had a three-way split, and therefore the Democrat won. Um, so if in CD8 we could get it down to a head-to-head Democrat versus Republican, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a shot at winning back CD8. And there is a really great candidate uh, running in that seat. I'm actually going to talk to her today. And for sure, she's already in. She is already in. Yeah. She's a Hispanic Can- mom with a really, really great story um, in that district. And hopefully we can get her elected as well. Now, uh, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. I'm going to ask to convert you over based on your expertise and experience in your position as state party chair to just help us understand a couple things. One, <laughs> in the state of do. Arizona, Hold on. In the state of Arizona, did you see or hear this recorded conversation between Senate candidate Kari Lake and the state party chair down there, Jeff DeWitt? I did. I listened to it this morning. Do do you know that guy? Had you ever run into him? 
Thankfully, no. Um, I was chairman when Kelly Ward was the chairman in Arizona. Oh, yeah. He got elected around the same time Dave Williams did. So it, they, they can maybe go be buddies, but not, not me. <laughs> any thoughts on that when you heard that? I mean, it's, it's what you would hear in a movie, right? Like right. this would be some made up, here's a bribe from people back east in dark rooms trying to get someone out of a Senate race and offering, I mean, I don't know. I was never clear on the amount in his phone call, but what? millions of dollars to not run for Senate because she's not willing to scratch back the people in DC. Um, I mean, literally the stuff of movies, but it's real life and deeply, deeply disturbing. Have you ever been asked to do anything like that? Was there ever a moment (laughs) that somebody, these moneyed, deep pocketed, uh, mysterious people from the East which is how he described them, reached out to you and said, get Ron Hanks out. <laughs> no, definitely not. And, and George, that's what's funny is people love to say that everyone operates like this. Everyone is the chairman. Therefore, you're listening to all these behind the scenes donors who are telling you what to do step by step. And, you know, tell, and, and no, it's actually very rare. Um, never once happened to me, and I know you know the majority of chairmen that I knew never happened to them either. This is a, actually a fairly unique situation, but it's what everyone talks about happening in politics. Here's a prime illustration of it actually happening. Or, I mean, you know, maybe some people have the theory that he made it all up to try and get her out of the race, and I, I wouldn't know which is hmm. which is true because I don't know him. Well, that would be tough, right? Like if he talked her into it, she's like, "Yeah, I'm on board," and then he's like, "I don't really have a job. I don't really have. I mean, <laughs> right. I just right now that." It's also, it's weird to me, and I'm sorry I didn't pick up on this. Kelly asked about it in the six o'clock hour, but she hung on to that recording or didn't, at least didn't come forward with it for like 10 months. And now is like, got to get rid of this guy. He's corrupt. We can't, it's like, you've known about that conversation since March. Why did you wait till now? Is there any, if you could speculate for me, what is, what are the tactics behind that? Why wouldn't you come forward? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that is an interesting question. I think a lot of times, you know, timing can be everything, as you know, in politics. And so my assumption is that her and her team have obviously known about this recording for a long time. But sometimes you can say, hey, we could put it out here now, but nothing's going to happen, maybe because of the current news cycle or where you are or something like that. And obviously, if you're going to reveal that someone is involved in attempted bribes and threats, you want to make sure it sticks and that it's going to be the right timing to actually (laughs) – yeah, get rid of them and get them out of a position or, you know, who knows, maybe she thinks it's good for her. I, I, I really don't know more than that, but I, I certainly assume her team has a really good reason for doing it now. We've had uh, Dave Williams on the radio, much like we had you on and Priscilla Ron on. And uh, I love those conversations. Dave's always willing to have them. The, the ongoing issue with the running for CD five while being state party chair um, and again, I know it's tough for you now because you're a candidate, but I, I want to ask you this. If you had thought I would love to run for the school board at the state level and you were the state party chair, could you have done both? Would you have done both? No, not unless there was no primary. I think that's the only situation in which you can do it. That's how Ken Buck did it when he was congressman and chairman. And, and in fact, George, I don't know if I told you this directly. But when I was vice chair and he was chairman, he actually talked to me and said, if I have a primary, I'm going to need to take a leave of absence as chairman. And I'm going to need you to step into that temporarily as vice chairman until the primary is over. And obviously he didn't have a primary. No one challenged him. And so he was able to stay as chair. 
Um, but I think that's the right ethical way that's to do it. Yeah, that's, I think that's an interesting one, to, Christy, because yeah. we had heard from Dave that, hey, they used Ken Buck as an example. Well, hey, it was right <laughs> for Ken no. to do it. I did not realize you guys had a contingency plan in place. Yes, we did. And it was all based on whether or not he had a primary, because I think the bylaws and Article 3 of the, of the Colorado State Republican bylaws are very, very clear that your job is to support and not oppose Republicans who are running. So. I'm sorry, is is Dave not supporting himself when he's running for Congress? Like, come on. If you're running, obviously you're supporting yourself. I'm supporting myself for Board of Education. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. Of course you are if you're running. And so there's obviously a big primary in CD5. It's very unethical, and I would say against the bylaws for a chairman to participate in a primary personally and remain chairman. And I know a lot of county chairmen and members of the Central Committee feel the same way because uh, they've reached out to me and reached out to others. I'm really worried about how this makes the party look. What is your uh, sense, too, of the vote that was just taken uh, in advance of Iowa by the state party to endorse Donald Trump for president? And and I'm going to acknowledge this. Dude's going to win the primary. Short of a Red Sea-splitting moment, um, the guy's going to be the nominee. Should it matter that the party weighed in or not? Well, sure. And I'd even say, like, short of Trump, you know, dying, he's going to be the nominee and in my view, the next president. Um, And so, you know, I think a lot of people on the Central Committee most likely saw that as an inevitable conclusion, like he's going to be the president. Why don't we jump on board early rather than later? However, again, I talked to a number of people on the Central Committee who just aren't comfortable with taking a stand that state parties aren't supposed to take. It's not because we're not willing to acknowledge inevitable. It's not because people on the Central Committee don't fully support uh, President Trump, but it's just saying it's not the role of the party to take sides. And I think particularly in Colorado, a reason that some people had a problem with it is because the state party charged other candidates to like tens of thousands of dollars to appear on a primary ballot. And then they're not even willing to remain neutral when they've taken something from candidates and are unwilling to refund it to them. I think people had problems with that too. And so it's just, you know, how far can you can you go to cross all these ethical lines that damage the reputation of the party and are supposed to be seen as a neutral um, arbiter of, of primary elections for Republicans, whether they're most likely to win or lose? Then that's just how I see it. Uh, one last question from that part of the your experience that is the state party chair, and I know you've done a million things more than that, but this this one's about that. There's this issue going on right now in the Republican caucus in the General Assembly about whether or not they're going to vote uh, no confidence against Representative Mike Lynch, who I'm sure you know who Mike is. Uh, he's the minority yeah, right. leader. And there was this yeah. issue with the, mm-hmm. the DUI and the delayed disclosure and the disclosure being, you know, preceded by someone else kind of bringing this information forth and all that stuff. The part I wanted to ask you about was there's photographs and discussion. And I think it was Marianne Goodland from the Gazette that did this, that Dave had shown up to this meeting or this caucus meeting ostensibly to carry the vote. And is leaning in and having conversations and all that stuff could be entirely innocuous. But I, I guess what I'm wondering is from the viewpoint of someone who's been the state party chair, what would your role be in such a thing? You know, I tend to think um, and I don't know what what Dave was doing there or not, but I, I mean, I know some of his friends are still in the legislature. I assume it's you know difficult for him 
because he was a legislator and served with multiple people who are currently in the caucus. Um, I'm sure he talks with them and attempts to give them strategy advice and all those kind of things. I tend to think the role of the state chairman is not to draw attention to yourself. Um, obviously, you should be speaking to the media. Obviously, you should be answering questions to represent the party as a whole. But when there are controversies that rise up within the party, you should absolutely be helping behind the scenes. And you should be you know, offering advice, mm -hmm. offering help, yeah. um, trying to talk to people, helping them figure out the right things to do. But, and I'm not directly talking about Dave here. I mean, I assume he didn't ask to put himself in photographs. Um, yeah. But I'm saying in general, if possible, to be involved, be involved behind the scenes and let the focus be on the people who it should be on. Um, I, I tend to think that's the best way to approach it. Yeah, that's interesting. I think too, and you maybe without even meaning to, you've highlighted for me another issue with being both a candidate and state party chair at the same time. And state party chair should want to work behind the scenes to do X, Y, and Z to keep things looking good and moving forward. Candidate wants as much press as possible, right? Like, I mean, you want as much oh, okay. name ID and, and ink and all that other stuff. Those things seem to, based on your description, be at odds. And it would be another reason to say, hey, how are you doing the job of the GOP chair as best you can with your full faculties when your attention is also on how am I going to get myself elected into Congress? Sure. And I think, George, you make a good point. Not only is your time divided, getting elected in a Republican primary and yet trying to help the entire party across the state and other candidates who, who believe me, are calling you all the time, um, asking for help and advice and what, what you can do for them, which is exactly what they should be doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, reputation wise, and you just, when you're a candidate, you're going to obviously analyze the emails you're sending out to a greater degree. And, and I think the problem is, it's really rare for a person to be able to say, you know, this messaging is going to help the party as a whole, or this messaging is going to help me personally in my race because my name's at the bottom of this email. Like most people are going to tend to choose something that helps them in their race. And that's just not a conflict of interest that is good for a state party chairman who's supposed to help everyone uh, should have. I think that is probably the, the unforced error of that email he sent out. I, I completely understand him notifying the distribution list that he had chosen to run for office and he was yeah. going to stay on. I think he had to make that disclosure, but attaching Absolutely. his campaign's public announcement complete with website and everything that was just like, dude, you didn't need to do that, but that looks clearly self-serving from a candidate standpoint. Sure. Unless you're going to offer that to every other candidate. True. Um, and, True. and here's the thing, not only in CD five, but across the state, um, you have to have the job as chairman. You have to apply an equal standard um, to candidates. If you say, hey, as a state party chairman, we send out every new candidate's press release. Or if you have a standard, hey, if you have at least, if you've raised at least X amount of dollars, we'll go ahead and send out your press release. And you can have standards like that, but they have to be standards across the board that apply to all candidates. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's so crucial to understand the role of the job that you have. Um, if you want to do something, you, you've got to fit that role and be responsible to do it. We're talking with Christy Burton-Brown, candidate for CD4, representative to the State Board of Education. If folks wanted to know more about your candidacy or even help you out, what's the best website for that, if you have one up? So my website, I do. It's kbvforcolorado.com. Christy, thank you, man. I, I know you got to get back and probably do some of that homeschooling yourself. So thanks for taking time out of class. I hope nobody <laughs> missed sure. math. No, not yet, not yet.
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. That's Christy Burton Brown. If you have thoughts on that, I'd love to have the calls at 303-696-1971. Some of the texts uh, I'll read when we come back reflective of this. I'm anxious to get back into though this discussion uh, that we've been having. There's also the New Hampshire primary that I want to get your feedback on. We've got some sound from that. And then this idea of the primary itself, it's on trial right now in a federal courtroom yesterday. The GOP made its arguments to knock unaffiliated voters off the, uh, I mean, I guess off the list to get ballots for the primary, keep them from voting. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Before I cut away for a break, though, I want to tell you about my dentist. It's Drs. Richter and Snyder at Twin Aspen Dental Center. They're the bomb. Uh, I told you that a friend of the show had texted in a picture of him waiting for Shiloh, who's the same hygienist that I use. It's not even up to me, but that they stick with me every time I go in there at about Stroh Road and Parker Road. Very easy to get to from any direction. Um, These are just great folks, and they do all of the big things that you need done. They've got all the special high-tech stuff to find out whether your jaw and the bones in your mouth are supportive of this kind of implant or that. They do the bridges, the crowns. But they also do that bread and butter stuff, that two times a year daily cleaning. And they do it in a way where you don't feel apprehensive. You don't feel anxious. You come out feeling like these people care about you, like you're part of the community. Because guess what? You are part of their community. And you can find out a whole bunch about them by going to TwinAspenDentalCenter.com. You might even be able to schedule an appointment there. But I like talking to the people themselves. 303-841-7466. 303-841-7466. Don't wait. It's TwinAspenDentalCenter.com. When we come back, more text. Your calls at 303-696-1971. George Brockler, 710-KNUS. Is there a number at which I can get bought? <laughs> what it's about you could take them pox for a couple of years no they go right back. Panic. no 10 million 20 million third no 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 a billion no this is not about money this is about our country i think it's disturbing that they would even that anybody would think this is i i'm not to be fair even me even me i'll say this I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone. I can't think of a single person in a federal race who lost writing their law. I can't think of it. You can think of it. I'm not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. So what's going on? What is, uh, I'm assuming this is our friend. Oh, this is, this is, this is back east. They, there are very powerful people that want to keep you out. I'm going to and they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So, conversation never ended. George Brockler back with you here, 710 KNUS. That is Jeff DeWitt, state party chair for the Republicans in Arizona, having a conversation with Kari Lake from way back in March of 2023. That recording just got released. Somebody texted in and said, Well, maybe Carrie didn't release it or someone else released it. The point is she knew about the conversation 10 months ago and appears to have done nothing about it. Now that it's out, has demanded that Jeff DeWitt step down. That's weird. I mean, one of the questions I'd asked is why the late disclosure? We've got callers on the line to have that conversation. But before I get to them, I do want to tell you about uh, Dan Kaplis. I wonder if Dan 
I don't think Dan, you know, Dan is one of those guys that is so well known, so well respected in and out of the courtroom for the obvious reasons, right? I mean, the guy, probably the best known plaintiff's attorney in the state of Colorado, maybe the region, because he gets, you know, he gets justice for his clients. When other people would cut and run, they'd take a handful of dollars, stick them in the person's hand and run up. Dan doesn't do that. Dan's in it for the long fight. And so he's developed this reputation as someone who stands up for principle and for values and for as a fighter. And I know that Dan has considered running for office many times. I've had conversations with Dan years ago about whether he'd run for office. I wonder if he has ever been approached by someone to not get in a race because I tell you if that had happened not only would Dan laugh at them but Dan would immediately have gone to the media to announce hey I just want to let everybody know somebody just tried to buy I mean that's the kind of principle you get with Dan Dan does the right thing and if that's what you're looking for in an attorney someone that's not just in it to make money because Dan doesn't need your money Dan's got plenty of his own Dan wants to help you get justice that's why when you hear him talk about it they're looking for righteous cases and if you've got one, give them a call, 303-770-5551, 303-770-5551, or you can check them out at dancaplislaw.com. Kaplis has a scene at dancaplislaw.com. Alexa, you're on 710 KNUS. What do you think? George, George, George. Hello. Um, so, hello, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Good. So, my first thought, if I was Kari Lake, after that conversation, even if I was recording it, would yeah. be, are they trying to set me up to see if I'll take a bribe and oh, then release that? Yep, that's interesting. Um, and I think the timing, I, I think she probably had a zillion things go through her head right after that. But I think if she had released it, the mainstream media, the story would be Carrie Lake can't be trusted, still record you. She's not a trustworthy person to have in this race, they would have spun it and not paid attention to the bribe or any, any of the other details on that tape. Or it, she maybe thought it could have been a test on her. So I can understand why she didn't release it then. Um, I also think, you know, they, but, but, okay, they talked but, but about – Okay, hang on, Alexa. If that's true, but why not then April or May or June? Why now? Um, I, I'm guessing – I can't confirm it, but I don't see that she released it. I don't yeah, but know. She certainly she knew about it, it right? Like she, she knew, knew about, about it. it. She knew the recording existed. She participated in the conversation. It just feels weird. Right. But it also is, they had stated on there that if um, Jeff said that if people found out he had this conversation, the people back East would have him killed. I mean, I think that might have played into it too. Why she did Don't you think that was a little hyperbole? I mean, don't you? He wasn't actually talking in terms of. I mean, that feels like a conversation you have in someone's ear, not across the table from them. Um, how many people do the Clintons know that have died by suicide or suspicious circumstances? Please tell me you're I, not going to blame them for Ron Brown. Um, I'm. I'm not going to make a statement on that one, but uh, I, but but you think so that was just, serious. You think he was worried about being killed, and so is it what you're suggesting? So. And you had texted this in that she was trying to save his life. That she didn't want to put him in that position if she didn't have to. I think she saw her audio 
as an insurance policy. I mean, how many people, James O'Keefe, um, uh, McAfee, John McAfee, uh, so many people on Twitter, the internet say, I'm not suicidal. That means that they fear for their life. And she said on that tape, you know, the only way she's not running is if they kill her. And she didn't act very surprised that they would do that. I, I think well, it's very plausible. Is this one of those things? And I know she's not in an elected position like Lynch, but where we have these expectations that people who we entrust or we're going to entrust with a certain degree of authority and responsibility come forward with the things they know that would make a difference. So for instance, with Lynch, I think maybe the the thing that makes this thing the story that it is, is less the DUI, which is its own damning criminal event. I get that. Then it is the fact that he hung on to it through his reelection and then his election as a leader of that minority party. That's the part where people are like, dude, this is similar to me unless there's a good explanation for it. And I know you're trying to find one for her, but she knows about this thing. She has now come out now that that thing's been leaked and said, this guy can't be in charge. He's corrupt. Well, my guess is she's held on to that belief for 10 months. Doesn't it kind of mitigate against that? Or, or doesn't it make you question her motives and saying, why didn't you come forward with this in some way? Why didn't she go to him even off the record with her people and say something like, dude, I have a recording of you trying to buy me off of this race. Step down. Go away. Why not do that? Why this way? Um, you really need to watch Blacklist. It, it, it will <laughs> with James Spader? It will yes. Oh, God, it's such a great show. Too bad it's <laughs> over. Um, I, I think if he found out that there was a recording, he might have offed himself. I don't know. What? Um, because you'd rather kill yourself than be tortured by, you know, the cabal, wouldn't you? Alexa, doesn't it feel like we're going just a bit off the deep yeah. end with the speculating of what could happen? Like they're going to disappear him to somewhere in Gitmo, the special politician side of the island, you know, something like that. <laughs> I, I wish there was that, but um, no, I, I, th I think she probably felt very set up and felt releasing that tape could have been, if she releases it, then, you know, it's going to be negative against her instead of this is, an, this is a corruption issue. But I want to align this with something else. What's really interesting is, um, well, two things. Kelly was saying how he looked at the Arizona stations and none of them are running this story, yeah. which is shocking. But let's talk about Adam Frisch. Remember how he set up that Aspen council guy yeah. and bribed him? And he waited to reveal that until enough time had passed for the statute of limitations, right? Yeah. The mainstream media didn't go after him for doing something wrong. They promoted him, as does Denver Post. Um, you know, he's, he should be... Um, the congressperson, not Lauren Clover, she can do nothing right in their eyes. So, I mean, you look at how the media spun that entire Adam Frisch situation. And again, not that he was cheating on his wife and doing the hanky-panky in the storage facility, that which is right, beyond right, right. so weird. They just was Bobert bad, Frisch good. That's all we care about, and that's what we're promoting.
And I think that would have been the same thing with Carrie Lake if she released it. Carrie Lake's a horrible person for recording this conversation, you know. But that's not the case now. People don't, even though we think about that, it's not as big a deal now is what you're saying. Um, not as big as deal. Why wouldn't they spin the story the same way and say Carrie Lake, horrible person, recorded the conversation? Because if she's not, if she's not the one that released it, they can't blame her. But but she's the one that recorded it. She recorded it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but But isn't that the thing? It's not. I mean, the the recording piece tells you she's got something on her mind. Right. Well, I, I, I mean, after my kids went to CSU and they gave the crazy talk about, you know, if you're hugging someone and the other person falls asleep, you got to stop snuggling with them because it's not consent. I I, I told my kid, I'm like, I would wear a body cam 24 (laughs) seven. This is a crazy world. I mean, all the things that people get accused of. um, I, I think it was smart that she recorded it. I think she probably was very shocked at what she was being offered. But yeah, yeah she, think, she did record it. To protect, I'm guessing to protect herself. Not I wish she had gotten more to. details, though. I think she, I wish she had said something like, what exactly are we talking about here? But I think the risk with that is then it sounds like she's interested or she's gettable. Right. I don't yes. know. But, yeah. but I think it's a risk. Hey, Alexa, thanks for the great phone call. And uh, trying to twist my brain into thinking that this dude was going to be tortured to death and she was trying to save his life. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, watch Blacklist. Sure. <laughs> Alexa's line is open, 303-696-1971. We do have other callers on the line, and uh, including Carly. I promise I'm going to get to you. Uh, i got to do something first. We'll cut away for a quick break, and then I'll give you the time that I have to have that conversation. What I need to do is to tell you that being a 710 listener, a George show listener, isn't just awesome for the obvious reasons. Of course, you get to listen to me whine on throughout the day, but you also have the ability to get smarter about the different issues that are out there. But get this. If you just tell a certain someone that you're a 710 listener, all of a sudden they start doing things for you with a huge deal. That guy's Mitch Flory with the art of granite. You tell him you're a 710 listener and this craftsman, this great businessman with the countertops in your house you get the kind of deal you just can't get somewhere else. Now, he gives you the wholesale prices anyway. That's just by being a good member of the community. But he throws in the bathroom countertop for free with the kitchen countertop package if you say you listen to the George Show. That, that's, all it, that's all it takes to get that deal. If you're only doing one room, maybe it's the laundry room, the kitchen, the bathroom. It doesn't matter. The finished basement. It's okay. He'll throw in the sink for free. He wants to give you something extra for listening to the show that he listens to as well. Call him at 303-386-5919. Unmatched craftsmanship. That's not me talking. That's the people I know who listen to the show said, oh, we use Mitch even before you read for him. And I'm like, I wish it had been after, but I get it. 303-386-5919. I'd go to his place at Colfax and Six, but you can also find huge selection online at theartofgranite.com. That's theartofgranite.com. Carly, everybody else at 303-696-1970. We'll get to you in just a moment. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 KNUS. Going right back to the phone lines. Carly from Highlands Ranch in beautiful Douglas County. You're on 710. What do you think, Carly? What I think is that you're blaming the victim, for lack of a better word, than what was said to her. 
Right, what do you mean by that? I'm blaming the victim. What does that? What do you mean? mean? What do I mean? Well, I mean just because she didn't release this on your certain timeline. What about what was said to her? Because if I had to guess where this was coming from, it was coming from Mitch McConnell because he does not want to see her in the Senate, and he holds all the purse strings. Yeah, Carly, That's what did I you, think. Uh, not that you don't have another life, but did you listen to the 6 o'clock hour? No. Okay. During the 6 o'clock hour is when I had the in-depth conversation. We played all the sound and talked about the deep state and Washington, D.C., and people's thoughts on that and whether or not this might have even been correct. So we did all that stuff. And one of the questions that was generated from that was from Kelly um, behind the glass. And Kelly said, why do you think it was that she waited until now to release it? That generated the conversation that you're calling up to criticize me about right now. Well, George, I can't listen to three hours every day. So uh, if I me, owe I you an it. apology, I apologize. You don't owe me an apology. I, you don't owe me an apology. I'm but just I'm saying, just saying it covered... sounds like you're just blaming Carrie because she didn't come out in a certain timeline. And I'm just I'm saying not... that was really dangerous conversation that she recorded. And I, I it would think take so too, a long time but, to figure but, out what you wanted so, to do with but it. it. Yeah, I don't agree with that part, Carly. I mean, look, she is a tough, strong smart person who has shown herself to have a certain, uh, you know, following in Arizona that might actually put her in the United States Senate. She wants to be a senator. She wants to be a truth talker. Oh, and I hope she wins. hope she wins. Yeah, and she might. She very well might. But this conversation happens about 10 months ago. It's the kind of thing when it's released, she says, rises to the level of calling for the resignation of DeWitt because he's corrupt. And it's like, well, You've known he was corrupt for 10 months, and yet you let him continue to operate in that position without blaming the victim. Carly, isn't that a question mark for you as to her judgment? Like, what would keep you from revealing this corruption to everybody else so we could get him the hell out of there earlier? I can think of a lot of reasons. And this is yet again another reason well, why I stopped them. giving money to the GOP. But, but tell me what those reasons are. I don't – tell me what the reasons are. Like I said, that conversation – was very dangerous when you consider all of the the pros, you know people that could have been behind this. I mean, it just is. But and before you take action, Do and besides which, everybody knows that Carrie Lake records everything, and good for her. Well, apparently, DeWitt took it for granted. But I'd yeah. say this, Carly, I, I can't think of all the good reasons. Like, if it's a dangerous conversation, the best thing to do is to expose it to as many human beings as possible <laughs> to ward off the effects Come on, George. Of, of that. Come on. You're an attorney, aren't you? Didn't you speak the uh, AG or something here in Colorado? No, no it's never. not that easy. And you and I both know that. So just, I you don't know, know it that. just, it just seems know. like you were trying to blame her. And I, I'm, I'm going her. by I am what was coming her. out of the the recording. I'm questioning her. Listen, what DeWitt did may have been a crime. I, I don't support that, but I'm questioning why it ended up this way. And so far, I haven't heard any real good answers for it. But Carly, I love that you listen, even if it's not the six o'clock hour. And thank you for calling in. Always <laughs> uh -huh. appreciate the conversation. Carly's line is open 303-696-1970. We're going to talk about the New Hampshire primary. When we come back. Kelly, how much time we got? Oh, 30 seconds. Listen, something happened in New Hampshire. It wasn't a surprise, but maybe the reaction to it by the two folks involved and what should happen next might be. Love to get your thoughts. Stick around. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.